Welcome to How to Be a Sales Game Changer. I'm your host, Karen Kelly. Every week I'll be sitting down with a sales executive where they'll share their stories and experiences that produce game-changing results. Let's be real, sales can be a tough game. I'm sure at some point we've all delivered a less than stellar demo, been ghosted by a client or two, and sometimes maybe did more talking than listening. And that's why I'm here to help. The stories and insights our guests share, they can apply to your business, your territory, or with your team. So you're not reinventing the wheel. We'll share specific tactics and strategies to help you get out of your head and start creating your own path towards game-changing results. Welcome to this podcast. I'm your host, Karen Kelly. I'm excited to be with you today as we discuss the ups and downs related to setting and maintaining goals and New Year's resolutions. Our guest is no stranger to setting and crushing goals while digging deep into resilience, mindset, and an unwavering sense of self-belief. I'm excited to have John Madsen joining us today. John is a fitness and transformation coach, CEO of Athletic AF, entrepreneur, former tight end with the Oakland Raiders. He's also the host of a well-known podcast called The Show. John's journey to success took a non-traditional approach compared to others. He relied heavily on the power of mindset, putting in the hard work, and never giving up. Those characteristics overlap with where most people struggle in setting goals and New Year's resolutions. So I'm excited to welcome John to the show, where he'll share his strategies, his approach to mindset, motivational tips, and a framework to help us set realistic goals and keep discipline when self-doubt starts to kick in. So John, thank you so much for taking the time from your busy schedule and welcome to the podcast. Yes, thanks for having me. I love the intro. It's perfect. Thank you. Just to provide some context for our conversation today, why don't you start by letting everyone know what you do today? You've had many roles in the past, but what's your role today? And a little bit about your journey as as to how you got there, because I think your story will reveal many of the strengths and the traits we'll be focusing on today as they relate to achieving our goals. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I would describe myself as a, as a consultant to high performers and, uh, you know, people probably find out about me in the, in the realm of fitness. And, uh, that's where my brand began. I advise high performers in, in sales, CEOs, entrepreneurs, some professional athletes. And basically my company was built to help people achieve the greatest level of fitness possible and, uh, do it in a way probably a little bit different than most of the fitness industry. Mindset gets thrown around a a lot. And uh, usually it's kind of the same motivational stuff that, you know, you hear regurgitated over and over again. But I knew from from my own experience uh, playing in the National Football League, never playing high school football, right? I I was a five-year-old kid who was out playing football and basketball and baseball and golf and tennis. And I love sports. And that was everything that, that I did with my family. And if you would have asked me, John, what are you going to do when you grow up? You know, that question that gets asked to kids a lot from the time I was er- as early as I could remember all the way through high school, it, the answer was become a professional athlete. There was no, there was no other choice. There was no plan B. And so um, I vividly remember getting sat down in seventh grade and we had an assignment where we had to essentially write down our top two career choices. Uh, And in leading up to this decision was about a week spent in the computer lab where we were asked questions about, you know, how, 
how much do you enjoy doing this stuff? And it was a whole bunch of stuff that, that was very wide in variety. But as you can imagine, there was nothing specifically related to becoming a professional athlete. So when the assignment was due and I had to turn mine in, it said career choice number one, and I wrote professional athlete and career choice number two, I wrote professional athlete. And that's vivid for me because I got called down to the counselor's office and my counselor, who I still remember his name, had to tell me what percentage of high school athletes actually make it to the you know NFL or NBA or whatever sport, right? And he was doing his job and he was just trying to make me understand that, look, a lot of people want to be a professional athlete, but let's consider some other stuff. Maybe that's a good idea, maybe not. However, that was the first time in my life where I had an adult figure kind of tell me like that dream's not possible because I had parents who always told me and I believe them, John, whatever you believe is possible, you can do, right? And so sometimes parents will say that, but they actually believe it. I believed it from my parents. And uh, ironically, I quit playing football when I was in 10th grade. I never played a single down of high school football because I went to the weight room for the very first time and there was older kids. And I realized that I was one of the scrawniest and weakest, weakest kids in the whole class. And I went home and I told my dad, dad, I'm not going to play football anymore. I think I'm going to focus on basketball and baseball. And he's like, why, you know, why son, why, why do you want to give it up? You're pretty good. And I said, I went to the weight room today and I got crushed. Like my confidence was crushed. And I was like, I want to, you know, can you help me get with a personal trainer or somebody that can help me get bigger and stronger? And maybe I'll play next year. And so uh, he did. My parents did. They did everything they could. And so I worked out with this guy who literally just killed me every single um, day for the next pretty much year, right? But I gained 20 pounds of muscle and I became faster and I, I could jump higher. More than anything, I started to be way more confident. It was, this, it was this amazing transformation that I could see that age when I was a sophomore in high school. Ironically, I never did go back to football because I started to be pretty good at and proficient at basketball and baseball, the other two sports. I graduated, long story short, without a single scholarship offer for any sport. I wasn't a star. I wasn't the kid getting his name, you know, written about in the paper all the time. I was like a really good athlete that never got the attention that I fully wanted. Right. And so there was a stardom that I kind of craved that I never got, but I had this belief inside of me that, that there was more. And so most kids, if they were standing at graduation, would say, no scholarship offer, time to choose another path. And I was like, "That not me. I'm going to go walk on. And so I'm either going to walk on in the basketball team, the baseball team, or the football team, right? And I, I initially obviously went to pursue basketball and uh the coach at the local junior college it was about an hour and a half away from my city said, John, I don't know if you can play or not, but my roster's full. So if you want to play, if you want to play basketball in college, I'm sure you probably can, but not at this school. I, we literally have no room. And I was like, dang it. I was the first child. We didn't know a lot about enrolling in colleges and stuff like that. So this was the only school that I applied for and was accepted to. And I had half tuition paid for through, um, through my academics, I was a good student. So I looked at my dad and he said, what are you gonna do? And I was like, well, we could take a year off and try to apply for different schools. But you know what I wanna do? I wanna play. I'm gonna go talk to the football coaches. I have this basketball film and I'm just gonna go talk to them and see if they'll let me try. And so I'll never forget walking into the football coach's office. They, they looked at me like, who is this kid? 
I'm six foot four, so I have height. So it's not like I'm just this little person walking in. And at the time I was still pretty skinny, but they were like, can I help you? And I said, I, I came here with this film to give to the basketball coach, but they said the roster's full. I played little league football, never in high school, but I think I can be a pretty good wide receiver. Is it okay if I try out? And my exact words to these coaches were, if I suck, you can cut me. All I'm asking for is a chance. And they looked at me and they put the film in for basketball. They saw that I was a pretty good athlete. And they're like, you can absolutely try out. We can't promise you anything, but if you want a chance, you can take it. Tryouts are this date. We'll have you you know, on the roster for tryouts and whatever happens from there happens. I was like, perfect. I got my shot. And I went down there and I didn't know a lot about football at the time. And I ended up making that team. And eventually you know, to, to squash the story down, transferred to a big division one university, the university of Utah had a great career and then ultimately played for the Oakland Raiders, scored a couple of touchdowns in the national football league. So the five-year-old dream was actualized in a really roundabout way, but I got there. What It's like a movie. What an amazing (laughs) story. What, What I'm hearing there is just this unwavering, relentless desire like it was never an option to give up and and I think when you said in the seventh grade and that's what like 12 years old you created your own box I, I don't know how many other people like you just think about you know compliance and I'm asked to do this but you you had a different vision for yourself at that young age and it sounds like your parents were big supporters and advocates for you which I'm sure definitely was a contributing factor but like to just create your own um, box and, and even after understanding the stats and the probability, still sticking to it. Where does that come from? I mean, I, I get your parents, but is there something that you just always believed you had this desire to be of greatness? Yeah, you know, I have this fundamental belief and I hammer this into the sales people in my organization, to my employees, to all the clients that we have all over North America. I believe that inside every single person, there is a seed of greatness. I believe that this greatness lives. And I, all the people who have achieved a lot or you know achieved at a high level, I, at some point in their life, I, I ask them sometimes. And the word that you said, you created your own box. And I think we're all creating our destiny and we're manifesting our destiny. Most of us at some point, when we were children, it probably became, it, it was, it was normalized until someone made it not normal, right? Like I believe we were born infinite and taught limitation. So we're all, we're all born with this greatness. And then at some point, some earlier than others, unfortunately, we have this period, this imprinting period from zero to seven years old, where you have no filter, everything that's getting taught to you or told to you, or, you know, teachers or parents are, it, it's seeping into your unconscious, Right. And so some people have that greatness just kind of squashed early. They they're taught that they can't do certain things and it's just the way it is. And so mine was left open for, for, for enough. Right. And, and I kept it alive enough. And so when I talk to high achievers, there's always a sense, I'm like, have you ever felt like you created this, you know, that part of success? And they're like, yeah, I did. Right. And so for me, it's been interesting because you think of it as coincidence or whatever, but you know, if you were to ask Tom Brady or Kobe Bryant or, you know, some of the greatest athletes or the greatest business people, it's like, they, they had this belief in themselves at some level. Right. And they kind of had this desire that was unparalleled to maybe other people. And, um, at some point though, 
I realized that I didn't have that success anymore. So when I, when I got cut eventually, when I was 27 years old, I opened up a gym for the first time and, uh, and wanted to have this high performance gym. And it almost went out of business like four times, right? Like I was for a whole, what felt like eight years, I was on the brink of like doing something good and then sabotaging it back down. And I, I, I started to lose this vision a little bit, right? I, I literally started to feel like, well, maybe I'm just reacting and, you know, all these circumstances outside of me are dictating my reality. And then I started to really rewind it. And I, I was, I went deep into this rabbit hole of call it, you know, quantum physics or call it law of attraction or manifestation. I was like, I've already done that though. When I was five years old, I said I was going to be a professional athlete. I created the box. Like you said, I put in professional athlete when it wasn't an option. I lived that manifestation out, but it started with this belief that I was capable, right? And so I, I have a fundamental belief that shapes my reality. That's what's possible for one is possible for all. If some kid can make it to the NFL, so could I. Like, you know, we're made of the same stuff. Mm-hmm. And some people believe other people can do it, but they don't believe they can do it, right? And so if they have that fundamental belief, they're they're always going to get so far and then sabotage will come back in because it's mm-hmm. unconscious. Mm-hmm. I operate now with this fundamental belief that it's pop- if it's possible for you, I can do it too, mm-hmm. right? And so interesting people are shaping their reality or creating their reality based on those belief systems that are maybe a little bit deeper than they're even aware of. I think the sabotage and we can play the blame game and be in denial and look at external factors. But I think regardless if it's goals or anything like that, you have to be accountable both for the the pluses and the minuses, right? And we're so quick to we have that comparisonitis, as you said, that if, you know, if it's possible for one, it's possible for many. But I think even when you bring it back to salespeople, well, they had a better territory or they have a better product. And it's like, well, look inward. Is there something I could have done differently? You know, I think that introspective is sometimes missing. Um, and so just what you said with that, having that clear vision and self-belief, where does that in parallel to setting goals how do you tie those two in? Do you, do you find just with people, you know, when you look at 2021 and, and 2020 is a very difficult year, but a lot of people are probably sitting down to that same notepad, writing those same goals down. So mm-hmm. at what point can we break the pattern? And is that pattern one of lack of self-belief or, or clarity of vision or, you know, blaming 2020, you know, the pandemic, like if you were to just to start kind of in a diagnosis when people are setting goals or creating that vision from their self, where do they fall first? Like what are they, what's preventing them just in that initial creation phase? I, I believe that belief behavior outcome, right? So if, if you're trying to write down goals, like that's how you're going to achieve your outcome. Belief is first, behavior is second, because the belief is going to shape your behavior. The outcome is then what you're shooting for. Most people, when they set goals, are trying to change the behavior first. If it's fitness and you're like, I want to get in shape or I want to lose 20 pounds or I want to get a six pack, um, obviously, you know, drinking two bottles of wine at night is going to take you further from the goal, right? Obviously, going to the pantry and having a couple of Oreos is not going to be conducive to, to you reaching your goals. And so people inherently know that, right? Most people think that there's some, you know, big secret even in sales, it's some sales funnel or it's this, 
you know, it's this product, but really that's not the case at all. This is an internal game, as you said. And so the behavior is where most people want to try to, um, try to diagnose where they're going wrong. And I go one step back. I, I go a couple steps backwards because I know that, look, behavior is not going to be behaviors. The, the greatest indicator of your behavior is your emotional state. And so to put this in context, if a person is frustrated or tired or sad or depressed, right, the feeling is going to precede that choice that they're going to make, which is the behavior. So I can tell them not to drink wine all I want. I can tell them not to drink the Oreos all they want. Motivation, we've all, like, if, you, if you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to it, you can think back to a time that you were totally motivated. You can think back to a time, whether it's in your business or sales, that you were totally motivated. And so your behavior was on point, right? And you can think back, if you want to think in terms of fitness, when you were completely and totally motivated and excited, you could have your favorite dish be right in front of your face and you can be like, not today, I'm good. That, that nice bottle of wine can be like, nah, not today, I'll drink water instead, right? And when alternatively, I could ask you last week, if you're on a fitness resolution or you're trying to smash sales goals, like what did you do last week knowingly that you knew was taking you farther from your goal, but you did it anyways? Mm-hmm. And they're like, ah, oh, yeah, I had like, three pieces of pizza and I knew I was doing it, but it's like, I couldn't stop myself. Right. Because here's the thing. Goal setting is conscious. We're using our conscious mechanism to write those goals. Goal achieving is unconscious. The goal writing process is easy. We can all write goals down, but why do we not hit them? Because unconsciously we have things that we're not even aware of that literally are shaping our thoughts, our beliefs, our perspective, which influences the behavior that everyone wants to change. That's never going to change unless you will it back to the, to the thoughts and focus and perspective, then you can achieve the outcome. So whether it's fitness or sales or, or whatever it is, the behavior, yes, is going to determine the outcome, but why is the behavior, the behavior that's where, that's where like I went super deep and started to really diagnose like what was going on in my life, because just like you, or your listeners or, or anybody like myself, sometimes I'd be like, why am I setting goals and not hitting them? It's like, I'm writing them down on the paper. Like it doesn't mean anything. And then, you know, the year ends and I'm like, that didn't, you know, that didn't happen. So some people think of this law of attraction or manifestation is like, if I write it down, it's going to happen. If I write down, you know, I'm going to be a professional athlete when I'm in 12 years old, it's just going to happen. That's not it. That's part of it. Right. But the framework is belief. You got to believe it consciously. You got to believe it unconsciously. You got to have that desire that will lead to that behavior of me going like, dad, we got to go to practice. We got to not, not dad saying, John, put that video game down and go to practice. You know, no, 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 no. It was complete desire on my part. Like, let's go to practice. Can you, can you stay after practice and, and, you know, throw me five more balls? Right. So what baseball doesn't matter what sport it was. It was like, I was begging to get more practice. What I, that behavior was like easy to me because my desire was so strong. So if you are setting goals down, understand that, yes, you got to change your behavior, but you got to, you got to fully embody this belief or none of that matters. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. What, what great points. And I would say most people, you're right. I'd say most people do start at the behavior phase and if they just backed it up because 95% of what we do is in our subconscious. So we're going through the emotions. And I think when you think about the brain and its purpose is to conserve energy and keep us safe, if we start creating these baller moves and these wow, audacious goals, the brain or the conscious is like, Hey, Hey, hey this isn't going to keep us safe. So it's kind of a battle between the two and what happens, it sounds like, is the subconscious wins, right? Um, Always. And, yeah. And and what you said, what I wrote down here is awareness. Like when you're thinking about the belief, I, I think that self-awareness. And for me, the change of state, I just think right away of Tony Robbins, change of state. Mm. And whether he, yeah. I went to one of his live sessions and never thought I'd be the girl jumping up. And, you know, it totally works. Like if you got a bad email or a bad text or something that puts you in a bit of a negative state, and you're up there shaking your hands and screaming, it totally alters your state. So I think emotion completely influences, you know, where we're at and definitely dictates the behavior. But I think if we're not aware of what's driving those emotions and that we have control over them, then we've lost the battle. And it's, and just like you said, at the end of the year, why didn't these happen? Well, I let them get away from me because I, they were in, they were within my control I didn't believe hard enough or I let the subconscious just take them. And at the end of the day, I, I could have done something about it. And, you know, again, it comes down to, I think as well, like how bad do you want them? And, you know, I, I always have a saying that is, is the pain of staying the same greater than the pain of change. You know, if you, if at what, what's that tipping point or that point of so frust, you know, you're so frustrated in, not hitting your goals, not losing the weight, not meeting somebody, whatever your situation is, at what point are you going to go through the discomfort of change? You know, so you almost have to hit that and then you can, you know, then you're ready to go through to get what you want. But some people are just, they accept status quo. And they're like, you know what, this sucks, but let's just, let's just ride it out. I was in Tony Robbins with you, with my wife, not with you personally, yeah. but I've, I've done it. I went okay. to unleash the power with them. And I was like, I'm not that, I'm not going to jump around. Do not. And Be then before I know it, <laughs> yeah, two in the morning, I'm still jumping around like crazy. But you, you hit on a couple of things. Your emotional state is everything. When I'm, when I'm teaching my salespeople, I'm like, that's the thing. You're transferring emotional. You like, I can, tra I can transfer my emotional state. I can, I can anchor what I want you to feel in a conversation, which if I'm going to sell someone a fitness package, I'm going to anchor within myself motivation. I want you to feel highly motivated by the time that I'm asking for a credit card. And so if I'm feeling frustrated and then try to get a credit card, that transfers easier than anybody would want to believe. And so step number one, and like if I'm talking sales framework is absolutely transfer that emotional state, right? And if you're sitting here thinking, you know, well, how do I change? How do I become con in control of my emotions, right? Because you said it, we have a choice. And, you know, I, I really believe that 3% probably of the whole population in the world understand this concept that we do have a choice. Like we are not with like everyone else, 97% is just reacting, reacting to the outside realities. And it's, and all of that is based on perspective. One of my favorite, you know, teachers from afar or the books that I've consumed, Wayne Dyer says, if you, if, if, uh, if you want things to change, change the way you look at things. Right. Mm. And so if you're sitting here in 2021 and I just did a, a show on my show and it was all about this, 
perspective, your perspective, your thoughts are going to influence your behavior, going to influence your emotion. If you are thinking about the things that you want all day long, and it doesn't have to be material and it doesn't have to be, you know, experiential, but it's just like, what do you really want? Right? What do you want? And if that's compelling to you and you're thinking about that all day long, I'm thinking about the solutions, not the problems. I'm thinking about the revenue that I want my business to make, not what I don't want to happen. Mm -hmm. Right? Everyone's focused on what they don't want. Mm -hmm. And then your unconscious gives you a direct path to what you don't want. Just like me telling you or any of the listeners, whatever you do, do not think about a pink elephant sitting under a tree. <laughs> like Go. you can't, you're, the, the negation doesn't work in your unconscious. So how I control my emotions is I'm relentlessly focused on what I want to happen. And I pay no, I don't pay attention to what I don't want to happen. That's those words are not spoken, right? Somebody will, will start speaking. I'm like, why did like, don't say that. Right. Mm -hmm. And once you're good at it, I can filter it out. I can block it out. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, that's huge for salespeople. That's huge for people in fitness is if you want to control your emotion, control your thoughts, control your input, control what you're letting into your world. Right. If you're going to watch the news and all the stuff that's bad going on, that's crazy. And you know, you're listening to bad music and you're listening to everyone tell you that the economy is going to crash. And what are you going to get? Mm -hmm. You can't like, you're not going to get what you want. You're going to get precisely that, what you perceive. And do you think John, the language that people use when they're writing their goals, speaking about what they're attracting, what they don't want, do you think the language plays a role there? So huge. So huge. I mean, it, I could even, even say that it goes deeper than just like what you say and also what the presupposition is of what you don't say. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Example. I, I was walking in, to I, my podcast studio is a, is a shared private office suite here in Scottsdale, Arizona. And a new guy, we, we were in the restroom and we were both washing our hands and he said, happy new year. And I said, happy new year and small talk. Right. So the next thing that came out of his mouth was hopefully this year will be better than the last one. And the training that I've done, I can't, it's like, I'm in the matrix kind of, I'm hearing what's not being said and the presuppositions in there. Right. And the first big word is hope, hope. I hopefully this year will be better than the next. I'm like, hmm, interesting. Presupposing that I can make the conclusion or jump to it, that his last year wasn't very good, but he's talking to me who he doesn't know who 2020 for me was incredible, mm -hmm. like phenomenal. Obviously there's a lot of stuff going on. It's like, yeah, I don't want people to live like that and, you know, go through some of the loss and suffering, but personally from a family standpoint, a fitness standpoint and a monetary standpoint, 2020 was crushed for me. Right. And so his presupposition on me, like doesn't work like 2020 was great. And then the hopefully part of it for me, everybody on the, who's going to listen to this, you can hope or you can create, you can either hope or you can create. So if you're just hoping that 2021 is going to be better for you because you somehow have a new uh, planner that says has a one on the end instead of a zero, we already can see like in America, you know, you're in Canada, we're in the United States, like week one of 2021 is like, whoa, we thought this, we thought all this was going to be done. No, that's no, we didn't. Right. We don't know when any of this, whatever's going on in the world is going to happen. However, we can control our perception. So I, my challenge to anybody is look, stop hoping and start creating. It's that word again, mm -hmm. you can create 
your own reality based on your own thoughts and perceptions and beliefs. Mm -hmm. And if you start to really understand what I'm saying and you shape it, it's a feedback loop. If I believe and focus on all the things that I want, I'm creating my, my reality in a way that it is manifestation. It is law of attraction. It is real, right? Mm -hmm. Where the negative of that is being like, well, this year sucks. This is happening. Economy's bad. This, and you start to have that show up in your, in your world, because I believe that everything is really a projection or reflection. Mm -hmm. Whatever I'm projecting is outwardly being shown back as a mirror of feedback. And if you play that game, if you're willing to play that game, your life can change like that. You start, you start to realize how powerful you really are. And I've seen that even, you know, I remember one time I was walking on the beach and I saw this couple and they were just so lovely walking and I just commented, but it was, I was so happy. It was a reflection of me, like just what I was feeling inside of me. It, it actually had nothing to do with the, the couple. I was just overwhelmed with gratitude being at a beach, feeling sand on my feet. And I just smiled and they're looking at me like I'm strange. And I'm like, I'm projecting what I'm feeling inside. And you just happen to be walking by. So you got it. But I, I see yeah. what you're saying, but you can also, that can work in, in the reverse as well. If you're projecting negativity, right? Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. It works both ways. And what you were saying there, when we were talking about the pattern interrupt, like why 2021, 2022, are we at the same point? But just what you said, that feedback loop. So that's that sounds like that's the answer. And you can break that feedback loop by switching your strategy from hope to taking control. I mean, if I if I could tell anybody, like all the training that I've done, all the money that I've invested in Tony Robbins and different coaches and like literally hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Like I put so much money back into myself because I realized that I'll never outperform my self-image. My self-image is like... Me putting my hard-earned money back into me for the time being, it's a direct directive to my unconscious. It's like, John, you're worth it. Mm -hmm. You keep putting your money into me. You keep getting the training that you need. You keep growing. You keep learning. And I'm going to show you, right? And so um, all of that, like I can boil it all back to what really truly changed my life probably 16 months ago is I had a coach who finally, after reading all the stuff, secret. I love Bob Proctor. I love all this stuff. Like I will geek out on that stuff. Right. And focus, like, what are you focused on? And I thought I was mentally tough, but I was like, I was constantly not focused on what I wanted constantly with that negative feedback loop. I would sit there and I would do sales for my old, my old business. I had an in-person gym. Now I'm 100% virtual, but I would do all the sales and I would be like, nobody has any money. Like this price is so cheap. Like they literally don't have money, right? And I would say those words. And the more I spoke those words, the more the power grew. And then I'm like, one of my coaches called me out. And it's like, everything that you see that you believe is just coincidence is really just a projection. Mm -hmm. Your belief that nobody has money is putting people that don't have money into your world. And I was like, that's, you know, that sounds a little too much out there, a little bit crazy. And until I, like you said, had so much pain that I was so tired of being stuck. I looked at my profit loss statements. I looked at my income and it literally was just stuck for like three years. No matter what I did, it was just like, it was like, yeah, I'd get a little bit hot, like five, you know, 5k or 10k more in a month. And then it would drop. But the average would like really be like this. 
I'm like, I got it. I'm so tired of this. I'm so tired of the same conversations. I'm so tired of not having the freedom that I'm after. Like something's got to change. And I, I wrote a big check to, you know, one of my biggest mentors who, who really changed my life with this focus paradigm and this projection paradigm. And I was like, because I wrote such a big check, whatever you say, I'm just going to like come to you finally with my ego aside and just, just take it in. Right. I'm not going to jump to any judgments or anything. And I'm just like, I'll do whatever you say. I'm at this point right now. I was at my 36th birthday. I had to take out a $20,000 loan from PayPal to pay my employees. And this, I'm like, I remember doing a podcast at this point. I was doing a podcast in my truck and I would just plug a microphone into my, to my phone. Right. I didn't have a studio. I didn't, you know, I had a, a, a little baby girl, you know, cry. I needed a, quiet place. So it was in my truck. And I remember thinking like, I just had to take out a loan. I'm 36 to pay employees. I literally could all the heart that I'm putting into this, I could just go work at McDonald's and probably make more money than I'm freaking giving out in my business. And I was so pissed off. I was so pissed. And uh, me and my wife had like a, you know, a fund that obviously it wasn't that or not put food on the table, but it was just like, here's a certain amount of money. Like that's for our family. Like you don't like, we're not going in there for your business, right? That's cookie jar is over. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to take out a loan. I got to turn this thing around. And then I meet this mentor probably a month later. And the price to have him work with me and my wife was like 40 K and luckily not luckily, you know, we had that cookie cookie jar fund that was like, this is not for taking, you know? And, uh, but we, we had a conversation like, babe, I got to do this. Like, I literally have to do this. This is it. I've hired coaches before, but if I don't do this, I don't know what else to do. And she's like, we need it. And so we're just like, we're all in. I'll write you a 40. And and my, like my heart was beating. It was the largest check to the point that I've, you know, given to a coach at that point. And I was all in though. I remember like writing kind of with shakily signature being like, here you go, man, this, this better work. Right. And this guy was younger than me, much more successful than me had, you know, had the stuff to prove it, you know, it, it was really substance. And, uh, because of that, because I was all in, like you said, like sometimes the pain is just too great. And on the outside, I think people would never have known, like I was still, you know, living a pretty normal life. But to me, I was just so underperforming mm-hmm. and it was killing me. And from that time, my perspective changed. I understood finally how to raise my self-image because I had read about it. Psycho-cybernetics, Bob Proctor, you know, the secret, all the stuff I've read for years and years. And then finally it all made, finally it all like came together like a puzzle. And as soon as it did, it was like income, 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 income. And I was like, Oh my God, it was all inside. This was not, I was creating my reality from this other negative feedback loop. And now I'm in full blown creation mode and I removed all the limiting beliefs that I had, like as much as I possibly could, I had to shed them. And there's moments that I literally can pinpoint that once I found it, like stuff happened in the most miraculous ways you can possibly conceive. So Um, I had to feel that pain first to your point to get myself to do something as scary as hiring this guy for what I thought was an incredible amount of money, but it changed everything for me. Wow. 
I think it sounds to me like you got a great coach, but it also sounds to me like the timing was right. Timing plays a huge role. And as you said, the pain was just, you were, you were done. You had a goal for yourself. You had an image. And when you looked in the mirror, you weren't there. And I can see a lot of people, you know, and especially at milestone birthdays, you look and you think this is not where I expected myself to, to be. But you know, if you again, where's that action behind it that's going to say, well, how am I going to create a different outcome then? Like, what am I going to do differently? And what you said is all in. Like, there's got to be, there's no other alternative. You know, otherwise, it's the definition of settling, right? You're just yeah. that's that's kind of what settling is. But you also surrendered. Like, I think that's a big thing. You surrendered, and you basically said, like, this is bigger than me, and you hired a coach. And I think when you think about, you know, just as you were sharing that story, I think about sales leaders and, you know, their job is to really develop their people. And sometimes they don't have the skills to do it. They're not in the right state of mind. Maybe they, they lack belief, but they continue to go through the motions. And at some point it's like, let's surrender. I don't have the skills. There's probably a little bit of ego in there, mm-hmm. but you're actually doing a disservice to your, your team. And that performance is not going to come. And then you enter that feedback loop, but it's a negative performance feedback loop. If we if we operate out of that belief system, what's possible for one is possible for all, right? If you think about how powerful a belief is, just as an example, Roger Bannister, right? And, or the placebo effect, two different examples, but going to illustrate the same point and tie it together. It was believed that if you ran a four minute mile, sub four minute mile, that you would, your lungs would explode and you would die. Nobody had done it for forever, right? And then in comes Roger Bannister, breaks four-minute mile. And within weeks, a second person then broke a four-minute mile. This hasn't been done ever. Like literally doctors said, you like humans cannot do it or they'll die, right? And so there was that invisible, you know, bound, boundary, prison, call it. And some guy did it. And then another guy had that thought, well, if Roger could do it, I could, he's human. I'm human. Same, made out of the same stuff. Bam. And then literally hundreds of people could do it. Right. And same thing with the placebo effect. It's been proven over and over and over that by it's a simple belief mechanism that you can get the effects better than a drug to cure symptoms. And it's a pill that is nothing but sugar, mm-hmm. right? Like, or just nothing right? Just nothing. Tony Robbins shared a story with people that had uh, uh, multiple personalities. When a person shifts from one personality to another personality, it's been shown that their eyes can go from brown to green or brown to blue. They're the same person. They believe they're a different person and they can have diabetes in one personality and not in another personality. And so if you tie all these examples together, you're like, what are you talking about? What I'm talking about is the power of belief, if you can harness it, is far more powerful than any tactic or strategy you could possibly conceive. When people come into my program or I'm talking to my salespeople, I'm like, look, we're not going to do a sales script, right? I'm not going to do the mental gymnastics of telling you that, you know, have a rebuttal for all of this stuff, right? I'm going to give you a framework, but at the root of it, it's a mindset. And if we can, if I can help you develop this mindset that I'm talking about, belief, behavior, outcome, whatever framework we want to, we want to run with, but that belief, if I can set that in somebody, then all the, all the fitness programs they've tried before that didn't work, it's like, come into my world, I'm going to make it work. If, if I can get you on that level. Right. And then for sales team, same thing, Mm -hmm. like 
we're not gonna we're not we don't need all yes tactics and strategies at a certain point there's a lot of ways to not make a sell there's a lot of ways not to you know get great fitness with bad advice however if the tactics and strategy are there i promise you most of you listening probably to this show you have enough tactic and strategy to win in fact there's probably other people that are winning more than you with less tactic and strategy but their belief is so much stronger that that's the thing that that's the X factor in my opinion. Absolutely. And you know, the irony is where do we provide belief or behavior training? You know, it's usually people are hired for their technical skills, but they're fired for the behavior skills. Oh my God. It's so good. That's so true. I mean, it's amazing. Like that is 100% true. That's mm-hmm. where I think that mindset is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Like if I was, if someone's like, John, where do you put your money? Where, you know, do you put it in real estate? Do you put it in Bitcoin? Do you put like, what I'm like, I'll put all of it into mindset, Mm -hmm. number one, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you think about like the, the bird on a, on a branch, right? It's like a bird has the confidence that regardless of the branch breaks, the bird has wings. Mm -hmm. So the confidence is within, right? Everybody else is trying to be confident in all these outside factors. They're confident in the branch not breaking, right? So as a as a little analogy, I like to, to use, like if you invest in your mindset and you learn how to cultivate belief and you learn the power of manifestation and you learn the power of uh, the law of attraction and the laws of the universe and you embody them, it doesn't matter what's going on outside. Mm-hmm. Everything in your world is being projected in the way that you created that's magical because people are going to start talking about, you know, if the economy does this or the economy does that, and they're so focused on the branch, I'm so focused on my own wings that it doesn't matter what happens. Mm-hmm. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. And a lot of people are going to lose. And the longer you continue to focus or, or have lack in belief, like what, what does that do to your sense of self conviction, confidence? Like over time that has to start eroding trust and belief. And, and I think it's, you know, eventually you start doubting yourself and just thinking, I'm not even going to put my, my name in the hat. Cause what's the point? I, I just think that can have serious damage over time. What are your thoughts on that? It's everything. It goes back to birth. It goes back to having that seat of greatness and over time, like the environment that you're in, right? Mm-hmm. None of us really got to choose what parents we had. None of us really got to choose what neighborhood we grew up in. And so some of us, if, if, if it's a football field, it's like some of like, for me, like I grew up in a great family in a great neighborhood in the United States of America, full of opportunity. So it's like, for me, in a sense, like I'm on the 99 yard, I'm on the 99 going in, I got one yard to go comparative to mm-hmm. certain people growing up in certain environments, because when they come into this world, they have that seed. But from day one, it's like, you can't do that. You can't do that. Nobody from here does that. And it's like, they believe it right? They believe it. Yeah. I, I think I saw this meme where there was like this uh, baby elephant, this huge elephant tied to a, the string that's tied to like a little post, a, a little chair, like one of those plastic chairs that weigh nothing. Right. And so if you tie the elephant to a stake and like it can't move and then over time as it grows, it doesn't even know its own power that it could just take a step and, and break free, but it's just going to sit in that spot because mm-hmm. it's conditioned. Mm-hmm. from all these invisible belief systems and, and what it was taught, like the limitations were mm-hmm. imposed, unfortunately, in children 
right? Like it's hard to change an adult. It was hard to change. Like I had to really desire it, but I had to believe that I was worth it and that I deserved it at, on some level. Some, some people, like, I don't know if it's ever really ever gone, but it's conditioned, it's conditioned into, into a lot of people, unfortunately, to where this is just life, mm -hmm. right? Like this mm -hmm. is, this is, this is what it is. That's acceptance. Like, yeah. And yeah. at some point, like that's like, that's scary to me. It's sad. It's sad because it doesn't have to be that way. But I think if that's all you know, that you don't have that, that reveal behind the curtain, you know, and so it's just, yeah. you have to accept it. And when I coach adults, I can see them as a child and I can see those limitations are still wearing them. Those limiting beliefs are still there. And it's just, I have two young children and I hear them saying, I heard the, my son saying, oh, we can't say can't. Mommy doesn't allow us to say can't. We don't use that word. And, you know, they, they yeah. learn grit and they learn all this stuff because, you know, it's in the subconscious that if you believe you can do anything, you know, with the right training and the mindset, like I firmly believe you can if you want to. Not everybody wants to. That's a different. They're, they're okay with a nine to five and whatever. But the difference is if you want to, and that's where we're going today. Like if you want to achieve these goals, if you want a different outcome, what's your belief system? What are you focusing on? Like, are you attracting the wrong things around you? Because look in front of you, that's exactly what's there, you know, mm -hmm. and your mindset when people say, oh, I hate cold calling or I hate this. And I just think, well, you've already just created a negative perception around it. So when you reach out to your clients, that is projected. And I said, don't mm -hmm. think about it that think about it as you are actually helping them. And the way if you if you can flip the switch to leading through service, the tone is going to be different, you're going to be more fluid, you'll be able to dance in the moment and ask conversational curious questions, because you're genuinely wanting to help versus making a cold call. So it's just the mm -hmm. narrative and the story, I, I believe, that you tell yourself. Yeah, we form experience through language. So I hate cold calls. Mm -hmm. Like, you're going to struggle. Mm -hmm. You are going to struggle if that comes out of your mouth, right? Mm -hmm. We're operating from set belief systems. The other day, I, I walked into uh, this office, and it was J January 4th was Monday. And so January 5th was Tuesday. And we, I have to pay rent on this um, office, usually on the 31st, but I had family in town. And so I took the holidays off. So I remember Tuesday morning, I was at the gym and I was like, dang it, I forgot to pay for my rent. I hate that because I have this fundamental belief now that was taught that I 100% believe that every time I spend money or if, I, if I'm owing somebody, I'm blocking the flow in return. Right. And so I come into this office and we got an amazing receptionist. Her name's Erica. And I said, Erica, I can't believe I forgot to pay you. Oh my God. And I'm like, I'll do it right now. We have this awesome like Jura coffee machine that's right there too. And so um, I'm like, let me get my card out and I'm going to just hit this coffee right here. And it's like 835 in the morning. And she's like, oh, don't worry about it. It was the holidays. I'll, you know, doesn't matter at all. And I said, yeah, I know, but I have this belief about money that, Every time I, I, I um, pay something off, I get paid right back. And she laughs and she like, she laughs. She's like, that's a good belief to have. And I'm like, I know, but it's true. So anytime that I'm late, like I want you to send me the bill so I can pay it right now. And she's like, okay. And she just kind of laughs it off. So anyways, I swipe my card. I go get my coffee. I walk back to my office. I sit down and I start making an Instagram video 
that I was going to put up there. And it's so funny. I said that I just got another notification. My sales team on Slack, every time we make a sell, it's like, you know, the dynamite, whatever emoji. And it's like, sell, bam. And we get excited about it because that's what salespeople do. Right. And so anyways, I kick my feet up. I'm making this video about um, one other story. And I see in the middle of the video that it says, ding, 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 sell. And I'm like, I shut the video off. I'm like, oh my God, I got to go tell Erica this. <laughs> and so I walk down the hallway and I go, Erica, you won't believe this. And she goes, John, no way. And I'm like, I just want to show you this. 8.35, I walked in the door, right? And I'm like, 8.36, I, I hit the coffee button. 8.36, my credit card went through. I'm like, look at the time there. 841. It literally took five minutes for me to have that belief system, sit in my chair and then get paid almost the exact same amount that was the mm -hmm. rent. And see, some of you listening are like, that's wild. That's crazy. I'm telling you that happens all the time. Mm -hmm. That literally happens all the time. Why does that happen to me? Because I operate at the, with a fundamental belief in my unconscious that when I pay my debts and bless that money coming out, that I have such a great relationship with money. It's like, I'm a, I'm a magnet to it. If you want money and you hate it, you're just, re, you're just repelling it. So, you know, this whole game about abundance is, is truly an abundant mindset that you either embody all of it, or you're in a scarcity mindset for 35 years of my life. I lived in scarcity because that was in essence, how I grew up. Right. And this coach finally switched my mindset to believe in this abundance. And it's like, it literally doesn't matter. I, I'm walking abundance. And once you get there, I know some of you are right on the brink. Some of you probably I'm talking to you like, John, I, I get it. Like I, I'm there. Some of you are like, is that possible? I don't know if I believe it. For those of you who are on the brink or you're going to go down this path, when you embody abundance, like a true embodiment of abundance, Nothing, nothing is the same. Your reality is literally different. Can you give us an example of just if you're on that cusp from abundance to scarcity, like what can someone do to kind of break through or just get to the abundance side? Is there something they can do that where they're hovering and they're, they're kind of teetering and then they fall back? Like what is it that one or two things that they can do that will really push them over and keep them there? Yeah, it's hard, right? Because it's like, what is the thing for everybody, mm -hmm. right? What is, what is the one thing that's like holding you back? Because there is a, there is something in there, right? And so I used to teeter on this abundance when it was convenient and then scarcity when it was convenient too. It's like, I was, I was oscillating. Mm -hmm. So when I was in flow, it was like, oh yeah, this is awesome. And then something would happen. And then what it was is like, I'd be focused on something else. And then that would manifest really quick. And so my coach, like, even as I was going through this process, I was like having a really good month and then something would happen. And his question always is, what are you focused on? Are you focused on what you want? Or are you focused on what you don't want? I was like, you're right. Damn it. I'm, I'm not focused on what I want. I'm focused mm -hmm. on the pink elephant again. Like, why do I keep doing that? Right. And so there's a, the easiest answer for me to kind of talk about is the focus, always checking yourself, always checking yourself. Like, what am I focused on the outcome that I want or the worst case scenario one that everyone you know, usually considers. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing, if you really want to know like what you're, you, you got to be, you got to, I think being in rapport with your conscious and unconscious, right, is the most important thing in, in life. You have to be able to get quiet within and understand 
where those limitations are coming from. And the only way to do that is to ask yourself the right questions. If I'm not getting the result that I want, I'm getting feedback. It's just feedback, whether I'm fail failing or you know not getting a result. It's like, as soon as I can ask myself, what am I feeling right now? Why is this like, why do I think this is happening? What do I want instead? What can I learn from it? And if I take pen to paper out and I write it down, have you ever written in a journal? This is why I like journaling. It's like you're writing, but where's it coming from? It's almost like the voice is, is like, it's not there. It's like an unconscious mm -hmm. coming out on paper, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's like the conversation almost stops in your brain and your hand takes over and you're just like, and I start asking myself those questions and I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even know that was there. And it's like that insight. If you listen to yourself, See, I used to always go to these Tony Robbins events and, and, you know, I would be waiting for an answer or listening to a podcast for an answer. And I'm telling, and I, I finally started realizing, I'm like, they can guide me. They, they're guides. But the answer, the true thing that's going to set me free, I already have. Mm -hmm. It's already in me. Within. I just need, I might need a little help getting there. Yeah. Where I found that out was when I first started meditating. It was guided with a group. And at the end, they had to say, you know, on your journey, like who did you encounter and what was your story? And you kind of, it was almost like I was anesthetized. Like I was, you go under if you, you know, and it takes time and I haven't done it in a while. So I do need to get back into it. But I remember reading my journal and what I wrote. And I, I didn't even know what some of those words were. I didn't know what they meant. So it was somebody else had written it. Like basically it was an, you know, almost an out of body experience, but I think you don't have to go to that level, but if you can hold space or create space to quiet your mind and just like you said, ask yourself those questions because we have all the answers within, but we don't slow down enough or quiet our mind to really tap in. And there's so much stuff on the periphery and external and news and kids and homeschooling and everything. But I think if you really want to change it, you have to quiet the mind, you have to isolate it and get vulnerable and be okay with what you find. And maybe that's part of it too, why we're not going there, because there's maybe fear of what's, you know, revealed behind the curtain when you actually do go there. Oh my God. It's so good. What you just said is so good. I mean, my coach, one of the break, one of the breakthroughs, like it was this, I can pinpoint through COVID was uh, in March. And so we were supposed to do a live event and he had to switch it to virtual. So I'm like, okay, I'm just doing a virtual. Um, actually, there were, they still went to the live event, but my wife had, uh, you know, my daughter's school shut down. So I was like, we have to, like, I can't go because we have no, you know, my daughter's school shut down. So I'm just going to watch it as if I'm, I'm there live and I'm going through this one breakthrough exercise. Right. And I'm writing this stuff down because again, it's like exactly what you said. Like we don't get quiet enough to really listen to ourselves. And so the insight that you get when the right questions are asked in the right sequence is mind blowing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so here we are, March in Salt Lake City, Utah, where I grew up and uh, it's a beautiful place. Family lives there. And I start going through this breakthrough and I'm still at this point. I'm like, why can I not like, why can I not break through, break through? Like I'm talking breakthrough, breakthrough. And so I'm going through this process. And one of the questions was asked and I'm like, I'm really listening to myself at this point. And I started to realize that I was addicted to adversity. I was addicted to this story, my past story. I broke my, I never played high school football. I overcame, played in the NFL. I was supposed to get drafted in the first round with a million dollar signing bonus. Three games before my senior year, I break my leg and I can't get drafted. So instead I got $5,000 and a, and a chance to try out and I made it anyways. 
And so I'm building myself up with these stories and I'm like, my businesses, I would do good. And then I was like, I, I would numb it back down because I was like, I need the adversity. And then I'm like, why do I need the adversity? Tell me, like, tell me why I need the adversity. And I, and I got chills all over my body. And I was like, and I do now just like talking about the story because it's so real. And what happened after like is incredible. And I was like, I need the adversity because I have this, I, I have this deal where I want to be liked. I want to be well liked. I wonder what the people closest to me would think about me if I succeeded at the ultimate level. And I'm like, who are those people? Right? Because it's like people on the internet, Facebook, like I don't care about, like I don't care about people that I don't know. So it's like, I got even more specific. Who specifically am I worried about upsetting if I was to succeed at like a ridiculous level? I'm talking private jets. And it's like, that's John. Like he crushed it. And I was like, my parents, my parents. And I'm like, that's so trippy. They're my biggest fans from the time I told, I started the show with how they always told me that John, you can do whatever you believe. But there was a sense that if I got too hot, like if I got, if I, if I raised my business to a level and it's like, you know what, for Christmas this year, like we're going to, we're going to pick you up on a flight on, on a private jet and we can do whatever we want. Right. And I'm like that level might, who knows what they might think about me? What's it going to do to the relationship? Right. And I'm like, oh my God, that was false. They would just be more proud. They're proud of me no matter what I have. They, they love me for being their son. And I don't need to, whether I'm successful or not successful is all irrelevant. Take money out of the equation, right? Mm-hmm. As like, I don't need to dumb down my success for any single person. I'm done apologizing for just winning because everybody wants to root for Rocky no, because he's an underdog, but I'm tired of being this underdog, right? And so I let it go. I let it go in a moment. And I walk into my wife's, uh, the bedroom. I said, babe, we got to move. My parents live seven miles from us, right? Seven miles. They, they're they amazing. They love little grandbaby and it's beautiful relationship, right? But I'm like, we got to move. Salt Lake City's not the place. She's like, where do you want to go? And I'm like, I don't want to spend one more winter here. Like, I don't like the cold weather. Let's, let's look at Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm like, I like the vibe out there. We've been there on vacation before. And she's like, okay. So I'm like, look what you could get for this price. And we started like looking at homes. And I had a real estate agent. I'm like, send us homes for price range between all this stuff. Every single night, my wife and I, like, we're just scrolling. We're like, we like this house. And we're like picturing ourselves living there, right? We get to a point, it's April, like end of April, lockdown, it's cold. Baby wants to go outside. It's too cold. And I'm like, it's like 90 degrees in Scottsdale. We got to get out of here. (laughs) And my wife, she looks at me and she goes, how are you going to make this happen? How are we going to make this happen? She said, see that how question? And I said, don't worry about it. I'm like, I don't know how it's going to happen. I literally said this. I'm like, I don't know how, but don't like, don't break my vibe right now. I'm going to make it happen. And I text my coach. I said, I got a goal for you. I'm going to be in Arizona, uh, October 31st of this year. And so I got to make X amount of dollars to make it happen. And he said, great goal. What happened the next week would blow your mind. Next week, our house isn't even for sale. We're just literally, that was a conversation. We're looking at stuff. I put the intention out there. Next week, we have a knock on our door from a realtor. Realtor says, my wife answers. Realtor says, this sounds crazy. I know I saw that, you know, you guys tried to sell your house last year and it didn't sell. And we literally did try to sell the house. We were just going to move to another neighborhood. And we didn't, like, we were getting 
under a hundred thousand dollars asking price. And we did a bunch of work to the house. So long story short, we're like not selling it. And so that's why my wife is saying, how are we going to make this happen? Like we weren't even close. And now there's this pandemic going on and who knows if people are moving or not. So anyways, realtor says, I have people who want a house on this street in this neighborhood. And there's literally nothing, no inventory out there. Are you guys still considering moving? And my wife's like, funnily enough, yeah. I mean, she goes and gets me and I'm like, well, if you have buyers, you know, you can come see the house. And so that night he has buyers, a family come through the house. And in two days we have an offer for everything that we wanted to get out of the house. And I'm like, oh my God, we got to go check out Scottsdale. We were obsessing about this. So we hop on a flight when nobody was traveling, come down to Scottsdale, look at 40 homes, put an offer on the home that we are living in now. And within the 30 day period from the breakthrough that I went through and the realization that I that I, I was, you know, holding myself back from epic success. I literally found myself in Arizona within 30 days in a new house with a new life, with two cars that I have on my vision board, Ford Raptor. And a, I wanted one of those trucks and then a Porsche. And I was like, those are in our driveway. We dropped the Jeep off before we moved. And then my truck week one, I'm like, I'm trading this thing and I'm getting the thing I really want. And my income our income, like literally didn't just double. It would like went bam, 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 like all over a matter of like, it's like, it feels instantaneous because when I finally went after what I wanted and I removed the, the limitation that was living inside of me for so, so long, I was like, the universe conspires for me. Mm -hmm. And then that belief was solidified. So I think this long-winded answer came when you were like, if you're oscillating be between like on the cusp, that's where I lived for years. Mm -hmm. When I got quiet and found the precise thing that I needed to let go of and then made a final decision that I was going to go all in, that's when everything started to happen. And then that, you know, stories like that solidifies my belief. The feedback loop that I'm living in is complete manifestation. So when I'm talking to my sales team, or my clients, like I'm speaking from this belief first, behavior second, outcome third, to tie this whole thing together, because I know how important that first step is. And that's what 97% of people are missing. Wow. And you're transferring that belief and that energy to your team. 100% every single day. When What, a, what an amazing story. And I completely believe in, in all that. But it sounded like when you got quiet, you got clarity and a decision was made. It like boom, boom, boom. And I think a lot of people, when you think about, you know, 2021 and how can they create a different outcome and set the, get the year off strong is just quiet yourself down um, to really, you know, hear the voices, check in with the narrative and, and then create the belief. If you went back to your, if we can leave them with three things, the belief, the behavior, the outcome, but quieting the mind and asking the questions to create the belief and get that emotional state happening. Yeah. Getting quiet and asking yourself the right questions, right? Everybody here, we, we can break through in five minutes, 15 minutes, or it can take 15 years mm -hmm. or 50 years or never. You're, you're on the rocking chair when you're 95 years old and then it comes to you. That, that, that realization that was within you the whole time, like maybe you finally slow down to get quiet enough when you can't move anymore, right? And so that's a scary thought for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, part of what we do is, you know, the, the guy who helped me, we, we created a live event. And I've seen this where you talked about guided meditation. 
if a person can ask the right questions, they can get there. Like anybody can get there, but some people have a hard time getting quieted, like that quieted down. And so I've been through some of the guided stuff like you and my mentor can hit it in five minutes. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what happened for me is like, I actually was guided to that spot and then bam, I found it and I was willing to accept it and shed it. And then it was off to the races, but you're absolutely right. Like if we can't get quiet, we're constantly re reacting. We're not getting the insight that's in our own hearts. And therefore, we keep spinning our wheels. 2022, you'll write the same goal down. Mm -hmm. 2023, you'll write the same goal down. 2029, you'll write the same goal down. And eventually, you're probably going to get so tired of it, you're just going to give up and believe that you were just weren't meant to be great. Mm -hmm. And that's just not true. In closing now, if people are looking to, you know, they've heard what we said, they've heard your stories, they've seen the success loop and the behaviors you know, where, where would you suggest they start? And more importantly, how would they start? Would it be, you know, sitting quiet every morning, having 20 minutes of mindfulness before you open your phone to really create that intention? Like if you could leave them with three things to really start tactical things, what would you say those three things would be? I'll go full-blown sales mode on a sales podcast. Okay. No, I'd be like, look, for me personally, I believe in getting, like getting help, getting a coach. Like if you truly want it, this first step for me was writing that $40,000 check and saying like, I'm all in because you don't know what you don't know. And it's precisely the things that you don't know that you don't know that are holding you back. So without that $40,000 check, I'm not guided to that point that now has me living this crazy life that I always knew was possible, but I hit it. I hit it when I hit it. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know what you don't know, how are you going to find it? So that's like, for me, step one is hire a coach, but let's just say that you're not going to do that. And you're just like, what can I do tomorrow or today? Start with desire. What is it that you want? What is it that you want? And why do you want it? Not for your kids or for your wife or because your doctor told you that, you know, you needed to lose 20 pounds because your cholesterol was high, right? Why do you want it? Like you specifically, what's in it for you? We have this problem with being selfish. If you like a lot of times the people who struggle most in fitness are the people who want to get fit for their kids or their wife or their doctor, right? I always ask them, what's in it for you? Why do you really want it? So having clarity of that desire and that want, whether it's more revenue, more sales, bigger bank account, six pack walking around on the beach, you truly have to be very clear about what you want in the, in the beginning. So that's very important. Number two is then to focus relentlessly on that because your focus is going to shape your perspective, your perspective and our perspective becomes our reality. So if I'm always focused on what I want, I'm noticing all the things that I need to notice to create that behavior that's going to lead to that outcome. So focus relentlessly on what you want and pay no attention to what you don't want. And then the third thing would be, you know, like you said, get quiet. If you like, I practice meditation every single day because I need that space. Right. And then I ask myself questions. Like I, like some of the examples that I gave in my journal where I'm truly asking myself what I need to learn from certain situations, because everything that comes up, if I missed a sell or my sales team had a bad week, I don't do the sales on my team anymore. I'm coaching them. But if they come to me and their stats are like way off, I ask myself, what did I, what could I learn from this week? so that I can get the result that I want. And then I relay that to them. And I say, individually, I need you to ask yourself, what did you learn from this week that didn't go as planned? And you know what's 
always fascinating to me. I make them sit down and write out the answers and they blow their own minds. They don't need John. Mm-hmm. They're just like, I learned this, John. I'm like, there you go. Mm-hmm. Right. We fixed it. We just turned that knob on, on perception then. Mm-hmm. And then our reality is different. So as a leader, I do it myself collectively for them. And then I make sure that every single one of them is taking those steps. And it's amazing if you're a sales leader and you're working with teams, let them gain their own perspective, right? Let them get their own answers. Sometimes it's beautiful. Oh, that empowerment, that realization when it does come, it's just, it's so satisfying to see. And, and I'm not going to open another stream here, but that's where a lot of sales leaders don't do that. They disempower them and they give them the answers. And I just think you're stunting growth and creativity and preventing them from see um, a different perspective in a new light. So all great points. So anyone who's looking to, you know, get game changing results and really shift their mindset, their belief system, change their emotional state to really create a different outcome for 2021 and beyond. John has provided a very tactical, very helpful tips that I would encourage you all. And I will take a page from this as well and put them into practice. Uh, John, you've been amazing and a wealth of knowledge and inspiration. If, if our listeners want to follow you or connect with you or learn more about Athletic AF, where is the best way to um, contact you or to reach out to you? Yeah, social media is always good. John Madsen official, and I'm pretty active on there, obviously, with uh, my business kind of revolving around it. So love to hear from you guys if you, if you do want to follow me there. If you want to know more broad scope, podcast and you know different stuff just johnmadson.com is a is a good hub that'll point you in all the right directions so whether it's instagram or just the my name website johnmadson.com those are great places amazing thank you again john for your insights and again sharing your time with us we really appreciate it wish you all the best and happy new year and thanks everyone for listening thank you signing off from the sales game changer enjoy the rest of your day Thank you for tuning in to How to Be a Sales Game Changer. Our weekly insights are geared to sales reps, leaders, and small business owners to help navigate the complexity of modern day sales. Our tactical takeaways help you put a plan in place to start creating your own game-changing results. Until next time, happy selling.